Hello, my friend. I'm so glad that you could take some of your time and join us for study number eight in our nine-part essentials series. And of course, we have been looking at Romans 14, 17, where our essentials are revealed for us as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, which describes the kingdom of our God and Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to take a few minutes and look at the price that was paid for our peace. In our generation, more specifically, in this very hour, there is no more precious a commodity than peace. Whether it's peace in your soul, peace in your family, peace in your home, peace is tremendously valuable and right now likely more sought after than any other element available to humankind. Now we have to be clear in this. The moon, the stars, the sun has never paid for your peace. Some feel that if the stars align and the tide of the moon is just right, and if they uh, get a good reading in their horoscope, that that provides peace. Horoscopes have never and will never be able to provide the peace that mankind is looking for. War and governments and uh, different policies, none of that has ever been able to accomplish the peace that we so desperately need. There is one man who has paid the price. Only one man was qualified to pay the price, and thankfully he did. And of course, this is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Let's begin in our study looking at Galatians chapter 5. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation, verse 17, where it says, The desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, which is the godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. This scripture reveals that there is a constant struggle inside each one of us, which is the exact opposite of peace. Here it says, they are opposed to one another, your flesh and your spirit. They are antagonistic and in continued conflict with each other. It's, it's a lot like sibling rivalry. I remember uh, my older brother would oftentimes, as we were growing up, he would, he would pin me down. And you may have experienced the same. He would put either of his knees on both of my shoulders and just pin me to the floor and drill my chest and and tell me if you will just say uncle I will stop I remember telling my brother Ken I will die before I say that word to you in other words, I will not yield. I will not surrender. Of course, that was just my pride. I could have saved myself a lot of pain. But it's a lot like our flesh. Know this, my friend. There will be no contentment in our lives until we find the contentment of the cross. Until our flesh, that sibling of our spirit, that is the godless human nature that is 
intended by God's grace to be crucified with Christ until your flesh finds the contentment of the cross there will be no contentment or peace of heart this is one of the I believe primary steps that is necessary for us to walk in this divine peace that has been provided for us through Jesus Christ now if we were to read on and look into what the Word of God reveals in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit, you will notice that so many different aspects of the flesh are anxious and uh, anti-love and anti-peace, while the fruits of the Spirit have everything to do with peace of mind and peace of heart. So, for example, uh, the practices of the flesh are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger. None of these have anything to do with peace or with love. Selfishness, division, um, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. It goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen to these characterizations that the Word reveals. that the, the work that the Holy Spirit's presence in us accomplishes is love, joy, peace itself, patience, and even temper and forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint. Uh, each one of these has within it the characterization of God's peace. I believe that uh, this is important for us to understand that when we're talking about the peace of God governing our lives, we have much to do with that peace, finding its rightful place in our hearts. Because the peace of God has been paid for. We're going to look very closely at that in a moment. It's available, yet so many people, many, many Christians, don't walk in that peace because they don't realize what's necessary, uh, the decisions that they need to take in order for that peace of God to reign in our lives. And a very important step is finding the contentment of the cross, allowing your flesh to be crucified with all of its fruits and all of its characterizations and allow the spirit of Jesus Christ to live in you and reign in you. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus Christ is not only the one who paid for the peace. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 14 literally says, Jesus Christ is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the only one who paid for it, and He is the only one who can uh, give it to us. So let's look at the price that He paid just for a few moments. We're all familiar, and we've actually looked at it in this very series, of the price that was paid for our salvation. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, the Word of God says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Now, oftentimes we take that word chastisement and we quickly lump it into the rest of the physical pain that Jesus Christ endured on the cross. We, we know that 
The word says uh, that he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So we know that there was more going on on when Jesus was on the cross than just the physical punishment that his body endured for our, our healing and our deliverance. No question about that. But when you look to this word, even in the Hebrew, of chastisement. When someone in our present day is being chastised, that literally means that they are being verbally punished. When someone is chastised, lots of times we look at that as someone over them who is correcting them with with words. And perhaps it, it is somewhat harsh. But here in the case of Jesus Christ on the cross, the verbal punishment that he received was, of, of course, from those who were accusing him and those who had put him on the cross and those who had opposed who he was and what he had come to, to be. This is, I believe, a really good example of how profound and relevant God's word is to every generation, even to this very moment. What are you talking about, Pastor Art? Let me tell you what I mean. When Jesus Christ according to Isaiah here in chapter 53, received the chastisement of our peace, which was upon him. When he paid the price for our peace, it was so that when a threat to our peace comes against our life, against our mind, our, our heart, our family, whatever it may be, the price has been paid so that we not endure uh, the, the breaking of that peace or the compromising of that peace, even for one second. That peace has been paid for. It passes all comprehension and is immediately available for all who will put their trust in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. When Jesus on the cross was chastised for our peace, it is revealed as we read in scriptures what was really taking place to him and around him while he endured that verbal punishment. He was mocked. He was laughed at. He was gossiped about. He was lied about. Uh, all kinds of different words uh, were thrown at him. He was cursed at. He was ridiculed. He was insulted. He was betrayed. And then when it seemed like it was the worst that it could possibly be. At that very moment, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his very own father turned away from him. This is almost every way that peace could be robbed from us. I'm sure that you have had people lie about you. You've had people laugh at you or mock you or insult you, maybe even curse at you. Maybe you have experienced a betrayal and abandonment from those whom you love and have put your confidence in. Whatever it may be, this is a tremendous price that was paid 
for your peace and for mine. When we are gossiped about, when we are lied about, I remember growing up, you probably heard the same thing, sticks and stones, they may break my bones, but words will never harm me. We know that that nothing could be further from the truth. Words are tremendously powerful and words can be very hurtful and harmful. But when we have received the salvation, the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ, which includes his righteousness, his peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, then that undisturbed composure remains in its place. Though our hearts may ache, though our minds Minds may reel when words are, are spoken against us or circulating rumors and lies and accusations against us, whatever it may be, that peace holds because Jesus went to the furthest extreme possible and the furthest extreme necessary to pay for our peace. So just remember when you are being laughed at or insulted or ridiculed or cursed at, your Savior experienced the same thing to the extreme degree so that your peace need not be compromised whatsoever. In John chapter 4, I want to show you a passage then that Jesus himself is speaking to his disciples, to his followers. And this is a very precious and profound passage of His words toward us that carry even to our hearts this very day regarding the peace that He both paid for in full and promises to us even now. And it's very important to understand this passage because once again, it brings to bear a portion of the responsibility that each one of us have if his peace is going to reign in our hearts. So John chapter 4, let me read verse 27, once again from the Amplified Translation. The word Jesus is speaking says this, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. I do not give you the peace that the world gives. I want to pause here just for a moment and remind you. There are a tremendous amount of different kinds of pursuits in our world, all with the objective of finding peace. Again, whether it's astrology, uh, whether it's the, the supernatural, whether it's in relationships, I know that there are many men and there are many women who go from relationship to relationship to relationship, each one another uh, degree of hope in finding peace. Uh, many go from job to job. Many move from state to state, from place to place. Many uh, look into alcohol. They look into drugs. They look into many, many different uh, ways that uh, this world promises peace, but it's a temporary peace at best. And oftentimes there is no peace at all, just further confusion and, and disturbance of your soul and your mind because 
once again, there is only one who has paid the price and only one who has the authority and the power to now give you that peace that each one of us created in God's image and likeness are desperately in need of. And that man is Jesus Christ. Thankfully, here in John 14, 27, he's saying to those who put their trust in him, my peace, not the world peace, not the peace that the world has promised you, but my own peace, that peace that I paid for, I now give to you. If that's the case, I ask the question, as I'm sure perhaps you have as well, if he gave us peace, why are so many people still living in turmoil, in chaos and agitation and conflict? The next part of this scripture gives us, gives us that insight and understanding. He goes on to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. The word let literally means that you are the one who holds the final decision or you give the final word upon the condition of your heart. If you decide that you are going to be agitated, you're going to be upset, you're going to be disturbed, you're going to be in conflict, you know that there are some people that they just don't know how to live except with war in their hearts. They don't feel a real purpose unless they're in a fight with somebody, unless they're carrying out their, uh, their revenge or whatever it may be, unless there's conflict, unless there's agitation, they don't feel like they're alive. My friend, I, if that is your situation and how you have conducted your life, I invite you to come and taste of the Lord and find that not only is He good, but there is a richness of living that can only be found in the peace that Jesus Christ gives. He here says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't permit it. Don't allow it uh, to be afraid. In the Amplified, it goes on to explain further. It says, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and upset. Don't allow it. Don't permit it. Don't give place to it. The peace that Jesus Christ has promised you and has given to you was paid for at such a high price. I believe that he who paid the price and the peace that he's giving us deserves our attention and cooperation so that it can reign in our hearts and in our lives. Yes, when you decide to take Jesus at his word, where he said, don't let, don't permit, don't allow your heart to be troubled or agitated. You're going to have to take the responsibility then to keep your agitated flesh out of the decision-making process. That part of you that thrives on conflict, you're going to have to silence that flesh, just like we read at the beginning from Galatians 5. That sibling that is fighting and, and threatening, you're going to have to surrender him to the cross so that 
the, the, the peace that is in the Spirit of God can not only rise up big within you, but can it can be also be expressed through you in your life, in your decisions, in your relationships, and in your world. I remember... Uh, when I was growing up, there were times when my dad, he would come home from work and he would get right to the, to the kitchen. My mother, she was the, the baker of the family. Uh, sometimes she would make supper, certainly, and she would take care of our meals. But oftentimes, it was my dad who would uh, cook for our family. He loved to cook and he loved to prepare our meals. Every now and again, uh, I would sit down at the dinner table with the rest of my family and and I would look at what was being um, offered and had been prepared. And I would say something like, I, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I, I don't like mashed potatoes. And my dad, without blinking, he would not change his stride. He would not overreact. He would just simply say, Arthur, that is just fine. That is your prerogative. However, I just want to remind you that breakfast is about 14 hours from right now. In other words, you're going to be really, really desperately hungry if you do not partake in what I have provided. Friend, isn't that a lot like our flesh when it comes to being crucified with Christ so that our spirit may rise with peace, with joy, with the strength and the anointing that the Spirit of God offers. Yet we say, I, I, I don't like the cross. I, I don't like uh, the, the punishment of my flesh. I, I don't like not getting my way. I don't like uh, living without conflict and struggle and all of those different things. Well, I am here to remind you, like my father reminded me, that breakfast is a long way away. That's your prerogative. You don't have to be crucified with Christ. You don't have to walk in obedience to His Spirit and His Word. But I'm here to tell you that you will never know of the peace and the joy of following God in His plan and purpose for your life. This world is designed for struggle. The spirit of this age, the prince of the power that now works in this world is opposed to the peace of God. It is indignant toward God's love and God's power and will do everything that it can to keep your life in constant turmoil, in chaos, and in struggle. But if you choose, the peace of God is important. The righteousness of God, the joy of the Holy Ghost, these essentials, I, I want them to bear fruit in my life. Then, my friend, take God at His word. Trust Him and know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead is waiting to be raised up within you the moment you choose to meet Jesus at the cross. Just like those two siblings, there will be constant conflict and struggle until you find the contentment of the cross. And at that moment, there is resurrection life. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will reign in you, bringing with Him His righteousness, His peace, and His joy in the Holy Ghost. In Philippians chapter 4, this will be the last scripture that we look at for this particular study.
Uh, I want to remind you of this exhortation from the Holy Spirit to our hearts. And again, it has a bearing in our own lives of responsibility for the decisions we make, the choices we make, in so much that we walk in this precious, fully paid for peace that God has promised. So here it is in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, the Word of God says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now, I could just stop right there and, and declare that this is a, a tremendous encouragement and exhortation from the Spirit of God. But it goes on and gets very, very clear and much deeper. But right at the onset of this passage, the Word of God is charging us. Don't fret or be anxious about anything. You mean anything? Anything. Not about your, your family, not about your finance, not about traffic, not about your job. Why? Because in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, be very specific with God, and with thanksgiving, make all of your wants known to God. There is this idea out in our world today that, that God is exhausted. He is exhausted and all of His resources are exhausted. My friend, there is no truth in that whatsoever. Our God, Jehovah, and His Son, Jesus Christ, do not know the word exhaustion. He is the God who never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's never lack uh, in His strength or power. And His hand is never far from us, just waiting for the opportunity as any good father would be. Not only is he good, he's perfect in his love and fatherhood toward us to move upon the needs of our lives and the petitions of our heart. Now, when we pray by faith, there's a very important element that is included in the prayer of faith, which is thanksgiving. When you pray, believing that you have received what you have asked from the Lord, it is only right that we are to give our thanks. Well, when we pray, we make every need that we have known to the Lord. We cast our cares upon Him and we give thanks knowing that He is good, knowing that He is faithful to do all that He's promised. Then there need be no disturbance of your peace because you know that He is both willing and faithful to fulfill what you have prayed for in accordance to His Word and His will for our lives. Don't let your peace be disturbed. Don't lose your composure. Don't be anxious or fretful. Uh, no longer in conflict between what you need and what you see, what your present situation is, and where it needs to be. Once you have prayed, know that God is faithful to do all that He has promised. And in that confidence, God's peace will be yours. This is verse 7. Isn't that a profound promise? God's peace, not the world's peace. Not that temporary high that comes with a new relationship, a new job, a new way, a new drink, a new horoscope reading. No. God's peace, that peace that was paid for on the cross, 
the, that Jesus endured the chastisement for so that it cannot be broken or compromised. God's peace will be yours. That tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. That peace which transcends all understanding. It will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and over your minds in Jesus Christ. When the peace of God floods your heart and your mind and reigns over your life, then whatever situation that you are in, you have prayed and you know that God is at work in you and for you, bringing about His plans and His purposes. You can rest in peace. You can live in peace with the confidence that all that God has intended for you is coming to fruition in your life. Let the peace of God reign in your heart and reign in your mind. Let the contention and the strife of the flesh be broken in Jesus' name. Next in our study, we're going to look at the promise of peace. And my friend, when we look into the promises that God has given us regarding peace, it is more profound than you can possibly imagine. I hope that you will join us for our next study. God bless you.